In a stadium rich with tradition. We have that here, and it reeks. And when you come in, teams take the field, they can feel it. The lights shine the brightest. Definitely playing at Camp Brandon is one of the best places to play in college football. This is the Camp. Now, here's your host, Zach Heilprin, and the Athletics' Jesse Temple on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Network. Welcome into the camp here on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Zach Heilprin, the Athletics' Jesse Temple along with you. All right, Wisconsin does move to... 4-0 for the first time in all of two years, since 2017. But Paul Chris 4-0 for a third time in his five years as coach of the Badgers. They beat Northwestern 24-15. to We'll get into breaking down the entire game. Also, taking you inside the post-game media session to hear from the players, the best audio out of there. We'll also be giving away tickets to next week's game against Kent State here at some point. A trivia question, uh, as I've said throughout the year, all you have to do is follow our Twitter account, answer that trivia question, and then send your answer in a DM to us. Uh, we'll get into all that as well as your Twitter questions. But first, Jesse, it was not uh, – I mean, Wisconsin was 23.5-point favorites. I wasn't expecting them to win by that many, but the game was was pretty ugly, and Northwestern usually does that to Wisconsin, especially offensively. I think that's something important to keep in mind because in previous years, Wisconsin plays like this and loses the game. Northwestern had won three of the last five matchups – and two of those wins had come with Paul Christ as coach. We obviously saw what happened last year. So that's the most important thing. Despite awful play offensively and, and three big special teams mishaps, Wisconsin still wins the game. But you're right. Wisconsin goes down the field, scores a touchdown out of that hippo package on fourth and two. Jonathan Taylor has the 13-yard run, and it's 7 nothing. And you're thinking, okay, this is going to be a blowout. Northwestern has no offense. There's absolutely no chance that the Wildcats win. And the offense gets... One scoring drive the rest of the game, a field goal. That's it. So I think that is probably one of the top takeaways, I'm sure, for fans after watching the way they just completely decimated opponents through three games. Yeah, no, definitely. And you talk about the the drive. I, again, I a lot happened afterwards, but the Rashad Wild Goose play on special teams, the face mask, Wisconsin was going to get the ball inside Northwestern territory. Yes, they had gotten stopped the drive before, but if, say... Wisconsin puts another touchdown drive together there. Maybe it's a little bit different. Maybe and Northwestern didn't even quit when they were down twenty-four to three, so maybe it wouldn't have been. But it felt like Wisconsin could have taken control of that game with that possession, and they didn't. And he and he look, he admitted as much afterwards that it was just really bad technique on his part. And he came, he bounced back and had a great rest of the game on defense. But that was a huge, huge play, and it was one of the, one of the first on special teams that just was horrendous. Yeah, it was a it was. I, a com- a lot of it was horrendous. Not all of it. A lot of it was horrendous. <laughs> it was a complete momentum change here. Wisconsin's up 7 nothing. John Torchio, who's getting his first start, he's the fifth safety on the team, gets the tackle and forces the punt. And you're right. Wisconsin's probably going to have it on the plus side of the field. And then there's this 15-yard penalty, and Drake Anderson reels off a 31-yard run. All of a sudden, they're at midfield. And credit to the defense to only holding Northwestern to a field goal, which is the first points any team scored in the first half against Wisconsin. But the Badgers offensively just couldn't get anything going from that point forward, and that was the score going into halftime. And it was the score until Eric Burrell got the strip sack and Matt Henningsen scored in the third quarter. So at the same time, I don't want to put too much on that one play because Wisconsin had over a dozen offensive possessions and ample opportunity to do something. For sure. But at the time, you could kind of feel it grinding to a halt. Yeah, and even at 24-3... to after you had scored your second defensive touchdown, that game should have put it out of reach, right? I mean, like, the next time, and they just never got the ball. 
that the offense just didn't get an opportunity to get their hands on the ball. They love when the defense scores. Defense outscored them yesterday, but it also limited them, especially in the second half. The number of possessions they had in the second half drew their own making in in some cases in terms of not being able to recover an onside kick, dropping a punt. Like a lot of it, their issues were of their own making in that respect. But when you talk to the offensive guys in the post game session, and again, you'll hear from them coming up here in a little bit. What was your biggest takeaway as to why they struggled offensively? Well, you have to give Northwestern credit for the defensive game plan that they put together. And, and Jack Cohn said that he's looking for windows, right, when he's throwing. And the normal windows is what he said were not there. So you either had to throw in early windows or late windows. And it just seemed like they sort of confused him in some ways. And, and just I don't even know if confusion is the right word, but he just didn't have the time or it, he maybe felt rushed. Yeah. Because there were a lot of situations where I don't know how many guys he went through in the progression, or there were situations where it was a third and long, and he would throw short of the sticks. There were three, I think, three instances in the first half where that happened, and you're not really giving yourself an opportunity to move the chain. So I think overall the guys were, I don't know if disappointed is the right word because they won the game, but they know that they can perform better offensively, and they gave a ton of credit to the defense, which I know we'll talk about more. Uh, the defensive performance because they really bailed bailed out the offense. What were they on third down yesterday? Like four what, four for something? What was it? They were four for sixteen on third downs. Yeah, and how many of those were third and long because they were not able to get things done on first and second down? They were, and Paul mentioned that. I mean, it was in third and way too long situations way too often. And in that case, Northwestern was dropping eight and, and rushing three, and and we're going to make Jack beat them through tight windows, and they weren't able to do it. AJ Taylor mentioned and. You know, we'll, I think that's something that we can go back and look at a little bit further is the fact that maybe after the first drive, Northwestern was not playing man defense pretty much the rest of the way. And I don't think a lot of teams have done that this year so far. And it and uh, when they were able to stop the run early on, they were getting in, into uh, advantageous situations where they were able to drop the eight and not have to worry about, um, you know, Jonathan Taylor beating them on third and two or, you know, or, you know, third and four, whatever it was. They were in, it felt like they were in a lot more third and long situations yesterday against Northwestern than they had been all year. They also didn't take very many deep shots down the field, which I think is one one of the other takeaways from this game just because... And the one time they did? Yeah, it was an interception. And and ESPN Stats and Information tracked this, that in the first half, Jack Jack Cone only attempted one pass that traveled at least 10 yards in the air. It was the interception. And I'm not sure that that was actually the case, though. He had one other pass that went for 11 yards... But I don't know if it traveled less than ten yards. I'm not sure. It how's seemed it po- like it was. How's it possible you you get? I mean, you could get two yards after the catch. Either way, there were not a ton of attempts. No, you're right. Either way, it does matter. I think. I think. Yeah, I just wonder how much of this is a blueprint for future teams to examine, or if this is just something that Northwestern does. Northwestern always mucks it up for Wisconsin. They've they've got good defensive players. They just had no offense, and that's that's why they. It wasn't closer than it it was, and it was closer than it should have been. Right. It felt a lot like the 2017 game where Wisconsin jumped out to a huge lead, and they and Northwestern made a comeback, and Dakota Dixon ended up with a safety, like on fourth down, to to finally end that game. But it was it felt very familiar to some of these Northwestern games. They just they haven't blown Northwestern out in quite some time. I think it's been probably maybe since the uh, the 2010 game. Where yeah, they won seventy to something, and that was the last time they were favored by this many as they were going into the game this weekend. But just looking at Jack Cohn, I was talking about this on our way in, and I I don't know the answer to it. I think it's something that uh, we will ask about 
is we've seen Wisconsin in the pistol. We've seen them in the shotgun. We've, we saw it in fall camp. We saw it a bunch in fall camp. We thought it was going to be a part of the offense. It had been through the first three games. It was a huge, huge part of the offense on Saturday against Northwestern. Wisconsin was under center. You take away the kneel downs at the end. They were under center nine times. They were running 60 plays. They were under center nine times. Compared to the first three games, in their first two possessions on the, on the other three games, they were under center at least nine times. There was a change, a significant change, between what they'd done the first three games in terms of formation-wise and what they did on Saturday against Northwestern. I don't have the answer for it. I know you're like, I, I don't know either, but it's it's one of those things where I think it's worth exploring because it'd be one thing if it was a little bit closer, and, but it's a drastic change. Nine times under center for a Wisconsin offense. When you're having troubles running the ball, you don't want to get up there and just you know pound it at that point. That was kind of, it's kind of curious to me, and I don't know. And I'm going to preface this by saying I have no clue, and this is probably very dangerous to sit out here and do. I'm going to do it anyways, but I have no clue. But the only reference point I have for a team moving away from under center and going into pistol and going into shotgun, the only reference point I have is from 2014 with the Green Bay Packers. Aaron Rodgers had an injury to his calf, and he could not take the snap and under center and get back in, you know, and it was it was to limit the action with his legs. I don't know. I, I don't think Jack is hurt. I don't know that he's hurt, but he was. There were some times that he's limping around yesterday, and I don't know if he's totally, totally, completely healthy. As I said, this is very dangerous to do because I, I don't know this at all. But it feels like there's something changed drastically, and I don't think it was simply Northwestern. That's a bold. Yeah, that's a bold. This comment, is me putting but it out I, there because I'm trying to figure out why you would do that when you've had as much success as you've had, and I'm sure Northwestern and the scheme plays a part of it. But when it's not working for an extended portion of the game, and you continue to go to it, why would you do that when everything when you've had so much success offensively the way you had throughout the first three games? I think it's totally valid to raise the question about I'm not why, saying why Jack they went away from no, I, just why they went away from. The other thing is it, it wasn't like what happened in the first three weeks didn't work. They were averaging. 48 points a game or something like that. Yeah. And I don't know the answer to this one either, but I appreciate you going and doing the research because Zach said he was up at 1 a.m., by the way, looking well, no, at no, stuff. So, <laughs> no, no, so I'm sitting there at 1 a.m., and uh, I was looking at my phone, and I saw someone had mentioned the shotgun and pistol, and I, I noticed it during the game, too. You know, I like it felt like they were in it a lot, and I'm like, gosh, how much how much were they? Because I don't chart games during while we're watching, but going back and watching it, I was like, oh, my God. That is huge. Okay, well, maybe maybe this has been the change they've had all year and we just didn't recognize it and go back and watch it. They were under center nine times in their first two drives against South Florida, 13, uh, 14 against Central Michigan, and 13 against Michigan. And that was all within the first two drives. So they were in under center for the first two drives more in those three games than they were the entire game yesterday. I mean, that's a huge offensive philosophy switch if you're going to that. And again, maybe it's just Northwestern. Maybe I'll have to go back and watch last year's Northwestern game and maybe they were in the same thing if they were they should have they should have switched it because they were horrible offensively against Northwestern last year too and Jack was you know that was his first start and everything but um something changed I don't know if Paul will actually give me an answer as to why that changed I'm guessing not but I'm interested to see if they continue with that or if they go back to more of what Wisconsin had been and 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 it wasn't even just the pistol because they were in the pistol only 10 times it was the shotgun where they were they were in the shotgun more than I can ever remember them being in a game I know Jack likes the shotgun, but I don't know that does. it's <laughs> but he also, worthy of being skewed that much. He likes playing under center, too. But right. I mean, when, I, he, when he had his best moments last year, they tended to come out of the shotgun, which well, he ran in high school. But a lot of these quarterbacks run the shotgun in high school. Right. And that was the thing. Like someone mentioned, like, this is this, this offense. That's not how this offense works. Pistol and shotgun. That's, that's not how this, you know, it doesn't allow JT to get a running start. I'm like, okay, but 
you have to think back to some of the uh, games last year, specifically Purdue in the yep. second half, where JT abused Purdue, and, and I know it's Purdue, but abused Purdue out of the shotgun and you know a lot of those read option plays. I just thought a lot of it was so slow developing yesterday that you were trying to get Northwestern to commit and they just wouldn't do it. And they had a lot of safety action down in the box and and JT talked about it. It was just they're smart. They won't they won't commit. And I don't know if it's a realistic thing for every other team to do that because it takes a lot of commitment and I think a lot of patience to be able to do something like that. And I'm not sure every defense has that in them. But do I think it's potentially a blueprint for other teams? I just don't think Wisconsin's gonna play like that moving forward. In terms of that, ineffective offensively, or the style, style. out of the shotgun and the that pistol, style. that style. Unless, unless they're forced to, and in this case, maybe they're forced to. But again, even nine snaps under center still would be putting a little bit. If if your quarterback was, you, you didn't want to put him in that situation. Still, that's a little bit too many to do it too. But I don't know. Jack up hit up pretty good against Michigan, and, he, and I I don't know. I'm going to shut up because I don't have any clue as to whether that had anything to do with it, but it just it seems odd that you changed that significantly. Special teams-wise. Not their best day. Not their best day, and especially in the return units. It wasn't so much the coverage units, right? I mean, they did okay, you know, didn't give up any, any outside of the punt return that ended up uh, being called back. They were, you know, Zach Hintz was fantastic, you know, putting the ball into the end zone, even from 20 when they got the penalties, they were fantastic in that respect. And, you know, Colin Larsh hits the one field goal that he had, but their return units, whether it's the punt return with the two pen with the penalty or the fumble or the onside kick, you know, the kickoff return where you give up an onside kick for a second straight week, the return units were just outside of the first Aaron Kirkshank return, just abominable. Yeah. Aaron Cruikshank met he returned the first one 44 yards, put him in good field position to wind up getting that first touchdown. But you can't have those types of mistakes against teams that have a legitimate offense. I should mention Northwestern right now, last in scoring offense in the Big Ten, just scored 10 points against Michigan State, scored seven points against Stanford in the opener. So if there was any game where you could afford to do something like that, it probably was a team like Northwestern, but you just can't have it. You can't you can't have your punt returner giving away a ball at your own 32 yard line which led to one of those touchdowns. The, the onside kick thing, you don't want it to happen. I, I, you know, I, my, my question is, and Paul said it afterwards, they didn't have the hands team on the field. They were, they were aware that it could be happening, but they didn't have the hands team on the field. This guy's going for two when it, sh- when it doesn't make any sense. You don't think he's potentially going to go for an onside kick in that point? It just was not a banner day for the return units overall. Um, no. and this, this, I mean, the, last week it was Chris Orr unable to, to grab it. That was their... That was their hands team. This time it was Christian Wolpen Testa unable to get his hand, unable to uh, jump on top of it. Like I saw people saying it, they should have just let it go to the back. There was nobody behind him. It's not like they, it was not the hands team. They didn't have like another guy staying behind them waiting to recover it. Defense, by the way, bailed him out on that one because Chris Orr got the strip sack that Mike Mascalunitz recovered. So yeah. I know we'll talk more about the defense. All right, time to get a little sold or not sold. The 2019 Wisconsin defense is the best defense they've had since they went to the 3-4 in 2013. Sold or not sold? I'm not sold. If you ask me after 12 games and they're still number one in scoring defense, number one in total defense, number one in run defense, number eight in pass defense, which is where they're at right now, I will say sold. And by the way, their third down defense has been absolutely ridiculous. But some of those units that they've put together have been absolutely unbelievable with guys who are you know, T.J. Watt's a first-round NFL draft pick. I mean, Joe, Joe Schobert, Vince Beagle, NFL draft picks. Not to say they don't have NFL draft picks on this defense, but 
that doesn't take away from what they've done. I think they've they've been unbelievable. They've been far better than what I thought they would be. I, I think all of us knew they would be better than they were last year because they're healthier, as we've talked about. The defensive front, the defensive line, the fact you've got Matt Henningsen now playing insanely good football. Starting. Very, very good football. And may, forcing turnovers. And it's it's at all the levels. I think the perfect example of this is that you don't have your top three safeties you know, Scott Nelson's out for the year. We knew Eric Burrell and, and Reggie Pearson weren't going to play in the first half because of targeting. You've got your number four safety, Colin Wilder. You've got your number five, probably number six or seven at various points, and safety in John Torchio. Didn't miss a beat. I think that says a lot about the depth of talent on this defense and, and the way they trust each other because I wrote a story about that for The Athletic as well after the game. These guys say that there's something to that, how they, they trust. They know, like Zach Bond said, if I go underneath and I occupy two guys, I know Colin Wilder's going to do his job and, and nail the quarterback, which is what happened on a certain play. And so I think that I think that goes a long way too. Yeah. And one of the most telling things that I heard out of that post-game media session came from Zach Bond when he said, he talked about sort of those sudden change situations when, when there is a fumble or a turnover, a Jack throws an interception, that we're all excited to go back out there and punch him in the mouth and get the stop. And he said, that's not how it was last year. Yeah. Paraphrasing a little bit, but he, he compared it to last year. He didn't he see said, it last he, year. I didn't feel that last year. Yeah. I think that's that's noteworthy. Yeah. yeah. Guys were excited to go out and sh- punch him in the face and show what we got. Show him again what we got. And continuously, they had to go do that because they were put in some tough situations. I guess I like the 2015 unit and the 2017 unit. Uh, I like 2017 because every time Wisconsin screwed up offensively, it just seemed like yeah. the defense was there to bail them out. And it became a big story with the sudden change and the percentage of times an opponent actually scored. Yeah, That one stands out most in my mind, but it's it's more top of mind than 2015. Uh, t- 2015 ended up leading the country in points against, um, which is the, I think they're the, of those, of the ones sent in the 3-4, the only ones to do so. But this group's pretty good. They've been able to cost turnovers. The turnover... Uh, obviously, Wisconsin gave them the ball a couple times yesterday, but their turnover margin heading in was was top 20 in the country, and they've needed it. And yesterday, they outscored their offense. They had 14 points. The offense had 10. So when when things are not going well offensively, you can count on a defense, and you couldn't, as Zach Bond said, you certainly couldn't count on it last year. They weren't, weren't always able to rise up to the challenge of an offense struggling, and it led to a lot of the situations and led to an eight and five record. This this time, like this is a game they lose last year. I think without the defense playing the way it could, it does right now, they lose this game. It's not even close. I don't think. I think that's that's reasonable. I mean, this Northwestern was, this, sucks offensively. They were not yeah. very good offensively last year. No, this was dominant. If you look, there were fourteen tackles for a loss. Ten different guys had at least one tackle for a loss. They had five sacks. The last time that happened was against Illinois back in that twenty seventeen season. They scored two defensive touchdowns. They forced three turnovers. They had 10 pass breakups and seven quarterback hurries. It was a total team effort, and it was relentless, and it was consistent. And that's something that Chris Orr has been preaching, obviously, for several weeks. But he's right. Yeah. Sold or not sold, Jack Cohn's performance has you questioning what you saw in the first three games. I'm not sold yet on that. I think we knew it wasn't going to be perfect. The way he played through three games, I think, was as good as anybody it probably better than anybody would have thought out of Jack Cohn, probably based on what they saw last year. But there are going to be moments like this, and the question is, how will he respond? Now they're playing Kent State this coming week, so to step back outside at a conference probably will be beneficial for this offense. But 
it's not like there's been one poor performance and now I'm saying who else is the quarterback because I'm sure that's in the back of the mind for some fans, but no, I'm not I'm not ready to do that. I thought Northwestern did a good job. Wisconsin had abused teams in the first three games with passes over the middle, a lot of stuff, you know, slants like slant and, and crossing, and, and they took that away. There was there was very little that available to them, and a lot of it had to be outside the hashes, and it wasn't always great. Uh, but again, Northwestern's defense, the way that they played it, they forced him to make certain throws, and I don't know if Wisconsin was not expecting to see as much zone as they did, but it felt like they had no answer for it. And the fact it goes back to the inability to run the ball too. I mean, obviously JT goes for 126, right? He had 26 carries. He had 119 yards. 119 yards and 26 carries. That is a lot of uh, a lot of carries to get 119 for him. They did a great job slowing him down, and it forced, as we talked about in the first segment, so many tough situations for the quarterback. But I mean, you got to make plays too. There are spots in the zone where you can beat it, and Wisconsin, for whatever reason, were not able to get into those spots. It says a lot that the team's leading receiver was Garrett Groshek, running back, come, coming out of the backfield. That That's what you have available. And a lot of them were on third and long checkdowns. Right. Which, awesome, fantastic. What what does that do that outside of make it look you make it look like it's good for Garrett Groshek? I'm asking you. I mean, I, I great, he's the he's leading receiver. He's leading receiver because they couldn't throw the ball down the field. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. It says a lot that your leading receiver is a running back in those situations. It's not Quintez Cephas who's been destroying people at times but yeah sold or not sold jack dunn is still the best option as the punt returner for wisconsin man that's a tough one not sold i don't i I thought he did really well early this season i mean he had some big plays and that was an area where wisconsin struggled last year a lot of the the returns that he had were just kind of covering up the ball or falling on it and i know that the the field was an issue. I think we saw that early. The, yeah, I mean, it, it was ra- wet. Like it, Quintus Cephas lost a shoe. He did. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it, it rained for those not in Madison. It rained all night Friday, pretty much all day Friday and all night Friday uh, before clearing up. And as soon as the game was done, it started raining again. So, um, yeah, it was not a great yeah, – I mean, turf is great, but it's still still going to take a lot of that moisture. I would wonder if Aaron Krukshank is you could be a potential option just because of the explosiveness that you know he has. He's, he had the 44-yard kickoff return to open the game that put him in great field position, and if you trust him enough in that situation, would you trust him enough in, in a punt return role? I don't know. I think I think if they did, they'd have him there. Maybe, but ultimately what matters most is that you take care of the football. And he didn't do it. He didn't, but I don't know if that's going to if that's going to lead to a change after one mistake. Everybody makes mistakes at some point. They that do. was just a big one. Uh, yes, against another team, it could have been devastating in a, in a game like that. Luckily, it was Northwestern, and it didn't matter, and Wisconsin knocked out another quarterback, and you know, and you had uh, Aiden Smith come in s- instead. But Who would you put back there? Danny Davis? Da- Danny Davis has worked back there, at least in practice, that we've seen, and the fact that they're not using all their wide receivers nearly as much as you know they probably like in terms of pa- the passing game and getting involved in the passing game. I would try him back there. I don't. There's nothing. There's look. If he can catch it, that's the most important thing. Jack Dunn has done very little on the returns that he's gotten. He's had a couple of nice returns, and he's gotten a ton of returns this year. Like because the defense is forcing so many three and outs, that he's get, he's gotten a ton of opportunities. It just has not um, looked very good, to be honest with you. So. Either way, before we move on, though, Kendrick Pryor has not had a target in the last two games after catching six passes in the first two. Not a single target. He's too good of a player to not 
uh, be getting the ball coming his way a little bit, in my opinion. This Wisconsin team, sold or not sold, is a top 10 football team. I'm sold. I- I'm still sold. Yeah. Clemson beat North Carolina 21-20. to And if on the road. North Carolina was on the road, but if North Carolina makes a two-point conversion, that's the number one team in the country. So this stuff I happens. The, I, lo- I love the idea of going for two in that situation, though. Yeah, it was great. It was a horrible play call, but I, I like the <laughs> I, I like the uh, the option with the quarterback. A true freshman quarterback who... Uh, was Sam he, Howell. Was he at the, the yeah. our All-American game? Yeah. Yeah, I think, uh, I think I, I, he, he broke Mertz. So Mertz had like the passing no, record? that was, was Bo Nix. Was it? No, no, it was uh, the guy at uh, Oklahoma. Oh, um, Spencer Rattler? Spencer Rattler. All right, yeah. I misspoke. Either way, there are freshmen out there that are playing. A lot but, of freshmen out there playing. Sam Howell uh, down at uh, Ryan Helensky. Uh, Spencer Rattler is not. Bo, Bo Nix is playing. I think the, uh, the Arizona kid uh, played yesterday. There's a lot of true freshmen playing. Yeah, N- not pointing anything out. But go ahead uh, with with yeah. The top I think 10. Th- I think they've established themselves pretty clearly as a top ten team and, and top. It's a number one defense in the country, so you can start there. the 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 offense had one poor showing, but in three other games have been fantastic. And so they're four and zero. Yeah, I mean, if you say they're not a top ten team, what are you saying? They're twelfth or fourteenth? They started the season nineteenth, so I have no qualms with them being top ten in the country. All right, time to take you inside the post-game media session where we had a chance to talk with the players and get their takes on some of the bigger storylines from the win over at Northwestern. And uh, for the first time this year, it was not all smiles in there. Certainly were some. They did win the game after all, but most of those were coming from the defense after their strong performance offensively. Things did not go smooth. They managed just 243 yards of offense, had just one scoring drive after their first possession. Here's tackle Cole Van Lannan. We had a game plan um, coming in, and they did a really, really good job on defense of screwing that up. And uh, then we were all on adjustments the rest of the game, trying to find plays that worked. And um, obviously we didn't find very many, and we didn't execute on a lot of things. Jonathan Taylor did go over 100 yards in the game the first time in three career games he had against Northwestern, but it also took him 26 carries to get those 119 yards. Yeah, they have great defensive schemes. I mean, you know, especially a lot of safety action without you know, really showing it. So uh, those guys, they always scheme well. They do, they do their research, and that's the biggest thing. We knew it was going to be tough, so we had to make sure that you know we were going to earn every single yard out there. The running game far from the only issue offensively. Jack Cohn in the passing game failed to get on track for the first time this year. Cohn posted to the second lowest pass rating of his career through his first interception. A lot of that had to do with third and long situations where Northwestern dared Cone to beat him. There's a bunch of times they just drop a lot of guys in coverage, only rush three, and you know, you have time to pass, but you know, windows, early windows are usually closed. I mean, normal windows are closed, so it's either you know, early windows or, or later windows. So what were those issues on offense? Here's Garrett Groshek's take. I don't think it's anything, uh, you know, too extreme. I think just focusing back on do your job. Um, make sure everybody is doing your job, that play. Not getting too far ahead of ourselves, you know. Trust that, you know, we are a good team. We have good players and just play and not thinking about, you know, what's coming next, the, this play, the last play, or the play that we have coming up and just focusing on the play at hand. A.J. Taylor cited a lack of cohesion that had been there in the first three games. Like some guys, you know, we would be on and we'd be off. And, you know, I can't even blame anybody because shoot, there was a play that was supposed to come to me and I ran into the corner. So it, it was just all all around. We just kind of we we didn't click. We weren't in sync. And that's just something we got to work on. 
Wisconsin still able to get the win because of another stellar effort from the defense. They forced three turnovers, took two of them back for touchdowns. The first came courtesy of safety Eric Burrell blitzing off the edge. We had a little Niners call, you know, it was a field blitz. Um, it was too far, so I had to exchange it from the nickel to the safety, you know. Uh, I tried to time up the, the snap, the cadence that he had. Uh, I tried to start deep uh, so he couldn't get out of the play. I just timed it up well. Um, I, I just, I tried to hit him, you know, uh, but the ball came came loose and then Matt Henney, I appreciate him for picking up because he helped me out last week, so I'm trying to return a favorite. Matt Henningsen did recover the football in the end zone for that touchdown. It's his second of the year. Chris Orr joked the sophomore was a touchdown magnet. I know, right? We should, maybe. Gosh. Why I give me one? Everybody get one. I give me one. But yeah, nah. Henny been, he just a touchdown magnet, I guess. <laughs> Whenever the ball's on the ground, we're just going to toss it to him now, but he's been playing great. Wisconsin did not have a single non-offensive touchdown last year, one of just three FBS teams without one. Now they've got three in four games. That's not an accident, says Henningsen. It was definitely a point of emphasis this offseason. Interception returns, scooping scores, just essentially setting up when our defense becomes an offense, having guys blocking for us, having guys. And then <clears throat> there is an element of luck to it, but we do what we can to create our own luck to um, make those big plays. I mean, we try and put each other in great positions. The two turnovers on special teams and the one interception put some uh, pressure on Wisconsin's defense. Linebacker Zach Bond said it was the challenge that they loved. Yeah, every time we had a botch punt or a, a fumble or any any, any sort of turn, turnover, uh, the defense was always excited today, and that's something that uh, I, I didn't see last year. Um, and that's big for us, getting excited for another opportunity, another opportunity to punch them in the mouth and, and show, them, show them what we got. After blowing out their first three opponents, Badgers were challenged in the fourth quarter or says that's to be expected. Oh, it definitely is. You're not going to go through the entire season up by 14 on everybody. And whenever you step on the field, you're not going to be up all the time. You know, adversity is going to strike. You know, this is this was a great game to test how we respond to adversity. You know, I'm just I'm just proud of how we how we perform. We kept swinging and was able to land some haymakers. It was also a reminder to Jonathan Taylor that what they've done before not going to mean much moving forward if they don't get better. We know we haven't arrived yet, you know, especially after the first couple games that we knew everything's to work on and you know we knew coming into this game it wasn't it wouldn't be easy at all um so one of the biggest things is making sure that every single week whoever we're playing that we have the, the correct preparation and we have a great week of practice so that we can execute and come out with the win each week All right, time for this week's trivia question. Again, the rules, all you have to do to be eligible for the tickets is follow our Twitter account, the underscore camp underscore WI, answer the trivia question, and send that answer to our Twitter account via a DM. You have until noon on Tuesday to get your answer in. Here is the trivia question with Kent State in town. It's going to be a focus on the Mid-American Conference. Badgers have only lost to two current MAC teams in their history. It actually happened in the same year. Which teams did they lose to, and what was the year? Again, they've only lost to two MAC teams in their history. Which were they, and what year did it happen? Again, just all you have to do to uh, qualify, send a DM with the answer to that trivia question, and you'll be entered into the drawing, and uh, we'll draw a name at noon on Tuesday. Good luck. All right, time to get into our Twitter questions. Badger fan asked, why does Northwestern suck the energy out of every game every time? I think people... They're are, highly underrated, yeah. I feel like. They stink <laughs> offensively, but their defense is good. Yeah, it was It was not... Uh, they do. It's, it's just the, t- the two styles of Wisconsin and Northwestern. 
are not a great mix for watchable college football. Though that game did take longer than I was certainly expecting to. I was when that I was, was a wa- TV timeout. I was watching it five minute commercials. When I was watching, I was like, oh my gosh, am I actually going to get to the end of this recording here? Because it was like three and a half. Three, it was it was three and a half hour game for a team. You know, one team that was running the ball a ton and. I guess Northwestern was passing a little bit, but they, they do suck the energy out, and it's it's very, very boring football. And I'm sure that people think the same thing about watching Wisconsin when they have to watch their favorite team as well. Ryder Cup captain asked, will the entire defensive line for Northwestern be perennial all-pros in the NFL in future years, or did the entire Wisconsin O-line just play terrible? That's hard for me to evaluate offensive line play. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> Look, Jonathan they, Taylor still ran for 100 yards. First time that's happened against Northwestern. So What I think happened, and I think this was the case, has been the case, they did a good job of keeping their guys off the linebackers, um, you know, not being able to get to the same level. And then the safeties playing so hard down, for a variety of reasons, they were not overly worried about Wisconsin throwing the ball down the field yesterday. Uh, it, w- it was windy. There, You know, there's a little bit to that. The one time, I'll say this, the one time that, uh, obviously, they threw the pass to Cephas, but the one time... Um, they went play action again early on. I think it was on first down. They went play action, and Jack got sacked by the safety. If he doesn't get sacked, AJ Taylor's running wide open down the field, and it, and it probably would have been a huge, huge play. So there were some opportunities, and it's just Jonathan Taylor and I'm not sure who the offensive lineman were ended up blocking the same exact guy, and the safety just went running right by him. And uh, otherwise, I think Jack probably sees AJ, and it's it may be a a big, big-time gain. Those are opportunities that you can't miss against that defense because that's the only way you're going to get them to back off is to be able to hit those shots. And you beat them once, you may not see them, you may not see that safety blitz, and you have to you have to take advantage of those situations, and Wisconsin just was unable to do it. Not to mention all the, Paul says, uh, sometimes they only got so many kicks at the can because of their inability to hold on to the ball on special teams. I think in the fourth quarter, I wrote this in the story from the game Saturday. I think Northwestern ran 37 plays and Wisconsin ran 14. So In the fourth quarter? Yeah, in, yeah. in the fourth quarter. And three quarter. of those, probably those rundowns or the, the kneel downs? Yeah. I th- uh, they, had three down, they had three plays uh, yeah. to, that they kneeled down. The th- yeah. The opportunities weren't there. I mean, they had 60 plays for the game. Northwestern had 82. And yes, that's what happens when you have a spread team and that's playing hurry up like Northwestern does. But Wisconsin, in terms of time possession, that's as close as it's been all year. And it's, I mean, by far the closest it's been all year. What was it? Wisconsin had like 31 to 29. That's pretty close. It was the th- Wisconsin had the ball 31 minutes, 21 seconds. Northwestern had it 28 minutes, 39 seconds. So this was a Wisconsin team that I think was number one in the country in time of possession, the differential. Yeah. Uh, Rick asked, will the batters burn these uniforms since the team played as ugly as uniforms look? I don't think that they would have worn these uniforms again anyway since it's a one-time <laughs> deal and they do they tend to do this when two teams of the same company play each other. We saw this before when both Northwestern and Wisconsin were Adidas schools, right? And same with no, or, or uh, Northwest, Northwestern or Nebraska Wisconsin and Nebraska. And, yeah, Wisconsin yeah. and Nebraska when they were both Adidas schools, they would wear crazy uniforms. The tan pants, I'm not a huge fan. I know people had many jokes to make. They did. About like working at Target, Staples or, or Target working at Target or wherever. Yeah. yeah. Whatever. I don't <laughs> I don't really care that much about it. It's a one-time thing. Have some fun with it and Yeah. They won the game, so. Yeah. No, I uh I we were asking the guys this week about the pants uh, or not not even the pants, but the uniforms. They were excited to wear different uniforms. They like alternate uniforms. 
It's not going to happen all the time with Paul Christ. I mean, this is not Gary Anderson where you're going to be, you know, having the eight different variations of uniform that you could wear, even though I think a lot of people would be a fan of seeing uh, different uniforms every once in a while. I do know that Bayon Hicks said they've got something special for the uh, game at Lambeau next year, which would make sense because uh, Notre Dame is also an Under Armour team. So I guess we'll get to see another alternate or some kind of uh, – uh, different uniform then but yeah these uniforms are done the black shoes though I, I thought that they look good against Michigan I, I'm guessing we probably won't see them but when I was going back and watch those games the other, last night the first two games where they're wearing white they get and then it goes to black it's it's pretty noticeable for some people like me I'm guessing you don't really care I had not noticed that to be honest yeah no, I'm just not particularly yeah, observant yeah, but you're a fashion guy aren't you I don't know if that's accurate but I guess I don't spend that much time paying attention to the color of the shoes. You've got more important things to worry about. I got it. I don't know. Chris asks, how many quarterbacks is this defense going to hurt this year? I mean that in a completely non-malicious way. Well, four games through the season, two, 12 <laughs> games through the season. Well, three. T- six. Three, right? Who's the other one? Because they knocked Shea Patterson out, too. Yeah. Who's I mean, the other one? Dylan McCaffrey, concussion. And then yesterday, Hunter Johnson. I always thought, I guess Shea Patterson was hurt, right? They I hit. thought, I mean, he... I thought they took him out at the end of the first half because he was not playing very well. They went to Dylan McCaffrey, but but they went to Dylan McCaffrey like in the middle of a series. Yeah, because okay. Well, in that case, I'll say six quarterbacks. He didn't. I'll say this: uh, three uh, three guys didn't finish the game. McCaffrey didn't finish the game. Patterson didn't finish the game. Obviously, I think the uh, the quarterback for South Florida didn't finish the game, but that was not. Didn't Patterson come back in though? Not at the end of the game. Did he? He he came back in. Yes, but he didn't come. He didn't finish the game. Okay. Because that McKenzie Milton guy, or whoever, who was the, who was not, not McKenzie Milton, Milton's that, that guy down at uh, UCF, but uh, there was a, some kind of a Milton guy for Michigan who threw the final interception. Okay. There's been a lot of quarterbacks out there, man. They've, they've dominated the quarterbacks and they beat the heck out of uh, both the Michigan quarterbacks and then yesterday too. I mean, Reggie Pierce, one of Reggie Pearson's first plays, it felt like, no, in the fourth quarter, he came off the, off the edge and just drilled guy and um, had Hunter Johnson down on the ground. I mean, that Reggie Pearson has two, has two injuries so far this year, two of the, the three. Here's something for you about Wisconsin's defense and quarterbacks, since we're talking about it. Pass efficiency what do you, rating. No, what do, you think, what do you think opposing quarterbacks, what do you think their completion percentage is so far this year against Wisconsin? Hold up a second, I'll look it up. No. No. Uh, completion percentage? Yeah. 42. You're good. Forty-two point nine percent. I went that was and looked. A complete guess. I went and looked at the other thirteen Big Ten teams. What what the opposing quarterbacks completion percentage is? Fifty-nine point seven percent. No other team uh, has less than fifty-four percent. And Wisconsin's sitting there at forty-two point nine percent. Yeah, second in the I, country. I think that says a lot about how good they've been and how much they've flustered quarterbacks. They have. And again, I don't think we can ever do enough and give enough praise to the defensive line. Because that has been, to me, so far, has been the difference between last year and this year. Because the, the, the pieces in a lot of the places outside of inside linebacker are the same as they were last year, right? I mean, the, the secondary is very much the same. The, you know, Zach Bond and uh, Noah Burks and Hunter Johnson have, you know, played a bunch. Obviously, Chris Orr was there, but he didn't play a ton last year. So Ryan Connolly, Andrew Van Ginkle, and um, TJ Edwards. And then Olive Songapolu along the L line. Those those four were the ones that stand out. But you didn't have Garrett Rand, and you didn't have a healthy Isaiah Loudermilk. That is what I'm saying. Like that has been the big like the the other pieces in the in the, at linebacker in the secondary are largely the same as last year. The defensive line is completely different. You know, with Matt Henningsen in his second year, obviously he played a bunch, but Keanu Benton, Garrett Rand, Isaiah Loudermilk, those three 
to go along with at some point Bryson Williams, who apparently was very close to being seriously injured. Uh, they thought that he was seriously injured. Paul said uh, that they were expecting something more worse than than what happened. So uh, I thought I didn't know it was that serious, but he, he was practicing, and they were kind of surprised at that. So we'll see. Maybe he comes back. I bet you he doesn't come back this week. What do you think? So wait, wait one more week before you probably worth welcome waiting one more Michigan week. State to, to Camp Randall. Um, so, I mean, that has been, and I don't think we can praise that enough. They've been, the, to me, they've been the difference. Um, stopping the run and uh, even getting after the quarterback. I mean, Matt Hennigson had a sack yesterday, went right through his guy. He has been maybe the biggest surprise of anybody. Would you agree? I mean, just overall defensive-wise, has he been the biggest surprise for you so far? Yeah, I think so. If I were to evaluate the rest of the guys, you look at, like Jack Sanborn had a career high 13 tackles. He's leading the team in tackles this year, but I think we knew, like we knew he was going to be really good. Yeah, we knew he was going to be a starter. This he was year. one of their top recruits. He was their top. He was recruit in the 2018 year. class. So I'm just trying to go position by position. Matt Henningsen like was, was a non-scholarship kid. You now know, he's got two touchdowns. He's tied for second on the team with two touchdowns. I don't know if anybody heard that or not. Adam uh, asked, "Did Northwestern give other teams a good?" Defensive plan, load the box, but don't bring pressure. They loaded the middle of the field and made Cone try to beat them outside the hash marks. I'm not going to pretend to know the answer to this, Zach. <laughs> I didn't watch any other Northwestern games. <laughs> uh, Mark asks, happy for the W, but oh, play calling and special teams were terrible. Who returns punts going forward? We already talked about that. When did UW become a shotgun pistol team? We already talked about that. Why do we punt from inside the 40? Well, Paul was asked that question, and it, two factors. How's the offense playing? How's the defense playing? Offense, not very good. You know if the defense is on the field, they're probably going to get a stop. And that was a situation. So, no, so who cares if it's 10 yards then? Who gives a crap if you get another 10 yards? That was, I mean, obviously they would have liked to have him get it, right. you know, get it inside the 10 or something like that. But if your defense is playing great, you should go for it. If your defense is not giving up anything, go for it on any point of the field like you did against Michigan. Well, that's the thing, because they had the 4th and 3 at the Michigan 42-yard line, and they air it out, and Jack has the 26-yard completion to Quintez Cephas, and in this situation, it's 4th down, 4th and 4, I believe, at the 36, and they decide to punt, and Anthony Lottie has the touchback, can't quite get it. It just went over the line. (laughs) just went over the... The, the line for a touchback. But that's a plus. That's and gained all 10 right yards. There. Well, yeah, I mean, like... You get 16 yards out of it. It just didn't make... I mean, it doesn't make any sense. And conservative Paul Chris showed back up. Like, obviously, the fourth and one, fourth and two, I should say, on that first drive, like, I don't... What changed? Is it... I, was it the way the offense was playing? You just don't feel comfortable getting four yards, even when Northwestern was giving you four yards pretty much every play if you wanted to. They are playing, playing off, playing zone. You could have thrown it to the outside and gotten four yards with ease. Seemed like every single play. Well, it seems like you. <laughs> I'm asking. I, I'm not. I'm not. That's what I think. I, I, I'm but, not going to tell. I'm not telling Paul Christ who who has the cliche forgotten more offense than I'll ever know what to do. But it, it feels like your confidence in your in your defense should make you wor- make it worthwhile to go in that situation. I understand both schools of thought. I think it came down to the fact that the offense hadn't been very good, and he probably wasn't all that confident in them getting those four yards. But you're right. If you don't get it and it's the 35-yard line, your defense has been good enough, for the most part, to get stops. Cole asks, are you okay? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Cole asks, is this game an aberration or no? Is this Wisconsin team not what we thought it was? This is the most negative uh, show ever for a team that... So what happens when you you outscore your first three opponents 145 to 14, and the next one you only beat 24 to 15 when you're a 23-point favorite? Is this an aberration? I think so. 
we've said before that Northwestern makes life difficult for Wisconsin and a lesser Wisconsin team with a worse defense may lose this game. We see Northwestern win in Camp Randall Stadium. So I think the offense will be better, but there's some really tough defenses coming up. Michigan State, Iowa has been pretty good defensively and Ohio State too. You've got After watching that game last night, I think Ohio State best team in the country. Maybe the best team in the country. Oh yeah. And any idea that Wisconsin's going to win going into Columbus seems pretty far-fetched at this point. Especially. It would take the perfect game with a series of Ohio State mistakes based on what we've seen so far. The top four scoring defenses in the country, I'll call the Big Ten home. Wisconsin's number one, Penn State's number two, Iowa's number three, Ohio State's number four. Scoring offense maybe as well because Ohio State's three, Penn State's five, Wisconsin's 12 despite what happened yesterday. I mean, they're the, those are the top three scoring offenses in the, big, in the Big Ten and they're all in the top 12 in the country. And it's it's a good conference this year, but Ohio State, the way that they looked yesterday, first of all, Nebraska was so overrated. Did you get to vote in that uh, preseason no, poll? No, I didn't. I didn't. 14 media members picked that team to win the Big Ten. And I think a lot of it had probably to do with the schedule because they don't play anybody else, really, especially on the road. I think uh, they get Wisconsin at home, they get Iowa at home. But that was just Adrian. I don't know what happened to Adrian Martinez. He just has not uh, looked good at all. But Wisconsin's offense, 243 yards yesterday. That's the fewest yards in a home game since. You don't want to tell me? I don't know the answer. Can you give me a hint? Jazz Peavy. Northwestern. Yeah. <laughs> to end the 2015 Wouldn't you season. know it. Yeah. The fewest yards in a win at home since Gary Anderson, uh, when he was not with the team. When Gary was not with the team? Yeah. Fewest yards. When he, but he was, he was on the other sideline. When they beat Utah State. Kenzel Doe with a big-time return. Yeah. They had uh, fewer yards in that. That was the last time they won scoring uh, with this few of yards so it was was that the joel stavi what happened in that game i forget <laughs> utah state joel he did not start that game he, he came fin- in he finished the game he started was that the, the daniel bryan pulled and joel stavi getting wrong year no 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 that was at 2012 2012 because uh the beginning of the stavi era it was the joel stavi uh, handoffs handoffs against uh Nebraska that year. It was the Danny Bryan's better with the two minute offense. Joel, Joel started that game. They jumped on Nebraska early. Like they were, they were up big. And uh, then they needed a two minute drill at the end of the game. And Brett Bielma said, Daniel Bryan, here you go. And uh, Joel didn't get to do it. However, three years later, he got to do it twice uh, because Wisconsin, he went down, missed, the field, missed goal. the field goal. The yep. defense gets a stop. He gets another chance, goes right down the field, and he makes the field goal to beat Nebraska. I think that was a 300 yard passing day for him. Stavi went out in style. He got the last laugh. He breaks his nose, still leads Wisconsin to the Holiday Bowl victory against USC. He did. He did. All right, so uh, Wisconsin gets Kent State, their final uh, non-conference game coming up on Saturday, uh, coached by former UW quarterback slash tight end Sean Lewis. They have uh, they had a bye week, one of the many teams Wisconsin will play off a bye this year. Upset? Uh, you're looking to it? I'm not seeing it, but Kent State, I think, put 62 points on the board against Bowling Green, so they also got smoked by Auburn. They did, and they needed double overtime or overtime to beat. Kennesaw State. That was a good team. That's a good team, Kennesaw State. They, 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 they challenge teams. It could potentially be good for Wisconsin because two of their three units did not show up <laughs> against Northwestern, and they're about to get into the heart of Big Ten play against some really good teams, as we mentioned, with some excellent defenses. So they, they need to be better. They do. We'll see if it plays out that way. Jesse, thank you. Thanks, Zach. All right, you've been listening to The Camp here on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.